Al-Bayan Radio presents a brief explanation of the 40 hadith of Imam al-Nawawi presented by Farhan bin Rafi' Ahmed. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Inna alhamdulillah nahmaduhu wa nasta'inu wa nasta'gfiruhu wa na'udhu billahi min shururi anfusina min sayyi'ati amalina man yahdi illa falamudillalah wa man yudlil falantajida lahu waliyan murshida wa ashadu an la ilaha illallah al-ahadu al-qahhar wa ashadu anna muhammadan abduhu rasooluh يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن إلا وأنتم مسلمون. Indeed, all praise and thanks belongs to Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. We seek His help, His assistance, and guidance from all in all things. He whom Allah Tabarak wa Taala guides, there is no misguidance for him. And he whom Allah Tabarak wa Taala leads astray, there is no guidance for him except through the will and permission of Allah Tabarak wa Taala alone. And I bear witness and testify that there is no deity worthy of worship except Allah and that Muhammad ibn Abdullah ibn Abdul Muttalib al-Hashim al-Qurashi was the final messenger and prophet sent to all of mankind. O oh, you who believe, fear Allah as he deserves to be feared and do not die except in a state of Islam. Do not die except that you are Muslims. Rabbi shrah li sadri wa yassir li amri wa hlil uqdatan min lisani yafqal qawli. Alhamdulillah, this is lesson 52 of our reading of the 40 hadith of the 40 hadith of Imam Nawawi rahimahullah. 42 as you all know now today we will continue with hadith 32 insha'Allah and with this lesson bi'idhnillahi tabaraka wa ta'ala we'll conclude this hadith an Abi Sa'id al-Khudri radiyallahu an anna nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam qal la darara wa la dirar hadithun hasan rawahu ibn majah wa dar qutni musadan wa rawahu malikun fil muwatta mursalan an amr ibn yahya an abihi an nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam fa asqata aba Sa'idin on, it, is, it was related on the authority of Abu Sa'id, Sa'id ibn Malik ibn Sinan al-Khudri radiallahu anhu that the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said they should neither be harming nor reciprocating harm. A hasan hadith, a hadith that is sound which is collected by Ibn Majah and Dar Qutni and others related it in a sound isnad uh, but which Malik related in his muwatta with a broken isnad from Amr ibn Yahya, from his father, from the Prophet sallallahu dropping the name of Aba Sa'id. This hadith has lines of transmission which strengthen one another so that it may be regarded as a sound isnad. Now that is the hadith itself. And inshallah, last, alhamdulillah, last week we took the biography of Abu Sa'id al-Khudri radiallahu Now today before we start, we have to see just before we start, very quickly, insha'Allah, is this hadith sahih or da'if? And if it is da'if, what's the point of going into it? So basically, يعني, you see that Imam Nawawi rahimahullah has said that this hadith is first and foremost, it is found in, where does it say the first one is? Ibn Majah. It is actually, this hadith is not actually found in Ibn Majah from this companion of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, Abu Sa'id. So this hadith, is not necessarily found from this line. However, it was narrated by a different companion, radiallahu an, who was Ibn Abbas, radiallahu anhuma. So the same wording was there present in Ibn Majah. However, we can't say that this hadith here of Abu Sa'id was found in Ibn Majah because, as we took in one of the earlier classes, every hadith, even if the wordings are the same, if it's through two companions, it is classified as two separate hadiths. It is classified as two separate hadiths. So this one here, even though it has the same wording, and it is found uh, by another companion, Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhuma, it is better to say that it wasn't 
يعني found in Ibn Majah but it was collected in Ibn Majah from another companion so we don't say that this hadith itself is there I know it seems يعني, not very uh, very important it's a slight detail however it is the details of the muhaddithin which kept this religion as correct and upright as it is today but these little things are very important that we make bayan of insha'Allah now if we look at the narrations themselves of the hadith of Abu Sa'id al-Khudri, you can see that it's found in different books. You can see that it's found in Ad-Darqutni, for instance, and other places. Now, when you look at all of the narrations and all of the chains of narrations, <coughs> you find that none of them are free from any fault. All of them have weakness in it. Every single one has weakness in it, and they are all da'if. Now, this hadith, however, is also narrated by other companions. It was narrated, as I mentioned, by Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhuma, And it was also narrated by Ubadat ibn Sabit in Ibn Majah also. And by Aisha radiallahu anha. And Jabir radiallahu an, And Abi Huraira and others. So when you look at all of these hadiths, also when you look at them individually, none of them are free from fault. They all have a slight weakness in them and individually are da'if. Now, all of them narrate this hadith with the same wording. La darar wa la dirar. No harming nor reciprocating harm. Now, when you look at them individually, they are weak. However, when you combine all of them with all of the chains of narrations, they strengthen one another and make something that is sound. And this can only happen if the hadith that we have, the chains of narrations, are not extremely weak. If something is extremely weak, even if you had <coughs> even if you had a thousand of them, it doesn't help you. Because they don't help each other become strong. However, because they're not all extremely weak, they have slight issues in it, then you see that they strengthen one another. <coughs> <coughs> Imam al-Nawi rahimahullah says hadith hasan that this hadith is sound and Ibn Rajab rahimahullah says wa kama qal and it is as the Shaykh said it is as Imam Nawi rahimahullah stated that this hadith is sound that even though it has weakness it is still used it is still strong enough that we can use in our religion Ibn Salah rahimahullah says with all of its various wordings and narrations, this hadith is strengthened and is sound. Abu Dawood, rahimahullah, says, إِنَّهُ مِنَ الْأَحَادِيثِ الَّتِي يَدُورُ الْفِقْهَ عَلَيْهَا يُشْعِرُ بِكَوْنِهِ غَيْرَ ضَعِيفٍ وَاللَّهُ عَلَمْ He says <coughs> that this hadith is from the ahadith of which fiqh, the rulings of Islam, are around. They circle it. They surround it. That's how important this hadith is. It's a center point. And he says, Rahimahullah, that from this you feel that it is not da'if and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. So the end result is this hadith is sound and it can be used for ihtijaj, for making rulings. And this is, as we mentioned last week, one of the most important maxims of fiqh that we have in this religion. A maxim of fiqh is something that is a statement of truth, something that it is a guiding light, something that guides the rulings of Sharia. 
that this is the lens that we look through. Hey, does it fit this wording or not? If it goes in this wording, then we use it. If it goes against it, we don't use it. Yani this is how important it is. It is a guiding lens for us to rule in our sharia. For the rulings of fiqh. That is how important it is. And it is one of the five qawa'idul fiqhiyya al-kubra. From the five most important fundamental maxims of fiqh. Al-darar yuzal. That whenever there is some harm, it must be removed. And other يعني, issues that we will get through today. بِإِذْنِ There is no harm, nor reciprocating harm. Now, the scholars differed initially about this statement. La darar wala dirar. These two wordings, there was a يعني, issue early on was... Is there a difference between these two words, darar and dirar? And there are two schools of thought on this issue. The first is darar and dirar are the same thing. The first is that darar and dirar are the same thing, which basically means do not harm others, that they have the same meaning and that it came here for emphasis, for tawkid, to emphasize the point of not to harm others. And this is, although it is an opinion, it is not the stronger opinion. Now the stronger opinion is, and this is Al-Ash'ar, as mentioned by Ibn Rajab, this is more famous, and this is more يعني, profound and present in our books, that there is a difference. However, those who said it has a difference, differed in its meaning. So it's not that just because it has another meaning, they were all unanimous in what it meant. No, there is a difference in what is found in the books. Now, I'm going to just give you two insha'Allah, but there are more of t- potential meanings of darar and dirar. The first is That harm itself is not found in the religion and it is not permissible to harm without right. The first possible that darar itself and dirar, darar itself is that there is no harm found in the religion. Darar, in the first meaning, is that there is no harm found in the religion. Wala dirar, and it is not permissible for you to bring harm upon another person without right. This is the first. Now, darar, religion is free from any hardship or any harm. And the second is no harm can be put in others. And I'm emphasizing this point because all of these meanings are actually in there. It's actually true. It's not that just because I'm going on to the second meaning that this first one doesn't incorporate into what comes next. So the first meaning is la darar that this religion is free from harm. Wala dirar you can't bring harm onto others except by right. Now the second is darar is harming someone to benefit. Harming someone to benefit. La darar, don't harm someone for benefit to yourself. Right? When you steal something, you're benefiting. You're taking some of his wealth into your wealth. So the Prophet is saying, don't do any harm unto anyone else for your benefit. Wala dirar, and you can't bring harm to someone else, and there is no benefit to either person. You cannot bring harm 
to another person. Jazakallahu khayran wa barakallahu feek. The second is that. That one I needed. Jazakallahu <clears throat> khayr. Now the second is, is that you can't bring harm onto someone else and there's no benefit for anyone. Yani you don't benefit from it and he doesn't benefit from it, but he's only getting harmed and you don't get anything out of it. You're just doing it here, just so the blow cops it. You're doing it just so that he, he finds harm. So the first is, don't harm anyone else to benefit yourself. And the second is, don't bring harm for the sake of bringing harm. That you don't benefit anything, but you're just doing it to harm your brother. Don't do that. From some, an example of that is stopping someone from doing something that he needs for no reason, just because it affects, just because it's harm upon him. But it affects you in no way. It doesn't give you anything. Doesn't nothing. You're just harming him. Heck, just to harm him. And the person who is stopped is being harmed. And this is the meaning that was preferred by Ibn Abdul Bar and others, great scholars of Islam. Yani one of the greatest yani commentators of the books of Hadith, Ibn Abdul Bar. So this is yani a very important meaning. And inshallah, as we go on, there will be examples of both of these meanings. The one of no harm being in the religion, and the second is not harming people here for the sake of harming them, and not harming people for personal gain. Now, the essence of this la darar wa la dirar is the Prophet ﷺ is telling us, do not harm. He has forbidden harm to be given onto anything or anyone without right. Without right. The Prophet ﷺ is forbidding harm to be done upon a person except by the right that you have. Now, what are the rights that you can bring harm upon someone? If you have due course, if you have reason, if you have right, then this is permissible. For instance, if someone transgressed against the rights of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then he gets punished accordingly. So you're harming him. For instance, if someone does zina, he can't say, La darar wa la dirar, you can't harm me, you can't bring harm upon me. You can't say that. Now this is through right that that person is going to get punished. The person who drinks, the person who takes riba, the person, whatever it is, you can't say no harming upon me. No. Over here, there is right for harm to be brought upon this person. That is one. Because it is the right of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the laws and the legislations of Allah. The second is, if that person oppresses someone, then, similar to the first, you can even be combined in the first after you transgress the rights of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, also the oppression against people. If you transgress against someone, do dhulm upon someone, he can do the same type, not transgress, not go over, and do the exact punishment upon you. Any court, law, system, Islamic sharia, not your backyard. So all of these things are incorporated in this. But la darar wa la dirar, no harming, no reciprocating harm, is no harm except through the rule of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the punishment legislated by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, <clears throat> this hadith has many issues. We're just going to cover some very, very quickly. Now, harming someone, uh, 
يعني, there are certain times that it's permissible to do. There are certain times where you can harm someone. يعني, we took the instance over here, for instance, by the right of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but other than that, and the scholars, especially the Hanabila and the Hanbali madhab, and other madhahib also, uh, other aqwal and other madhahib, there is يعني, a principle that they have that if you harm someone by doing something that is normal and is part and parcel of the customs of the land that is normal and part of the customs of the place and there is reason for it so normal, part of the customs and there is reason for it and the benefit is obvious its benefit is obvious then you can do this for instance two plots of land a person has a house on one Bomo road Bomo okay one Bomo road now the next door neighbor is what number is it no the next number is three jihad the next number is three I was gonna hope for someone saying two and I was gonna catch them out the next number is three right Australia we work in this way now Number one, Belmoroid Belmo, is a house. Number three is a vacant plot of land. Okay? Now, in number one is a family. And I just want you to imagine that there's only one person living in that house. Now, number three gets sold. One of the brothers over here, mashallah, comes and gives money, buys it, and says, I'm going to develop this land. Now, number one is saying, No. You will now affect me. You're going to have people coming in here. They're going to dig the land. They're going to be noisy. They're going to be arrogant. They're going to take up our car spots. You're going to disturb the peace. I sleep in the morning. You will affect my sleep. Um, he's got a point. It's going to be lack of parking avenues right now. Parking's hard in these areas. We all know. Parking is difficult. Maybe he does night shift. Maybe he really needs to sleep in the morning. Now, he's saying, you are harming me. All this noise, aj'ah, you're getting trucks, you're getting bulldozers, you're getting knocking things down, you're building, drilling, whatever it is, jackhammering. You're bringing harm on me. Now, this is where, there's harm here. However, is it normal that you have to build sometimes? It's normal. So, what is allowed customarily? Eight to five 8 in the morning, 5 p.m., you're allowed to work in this country. Weekdays, not weekends. Weekdays, not weekends. Not at night, in the middle of the night. So customarily, even though there is harm here brought on this person, it is normal. It's part of the customs. It's not something that's, yeah, and he goes, it's very weird. The guy's building at 12 o'clock at night on a Saturday night, right? Or, it's something also that the benefit is there. If he doesn't build the house, it's going to be vacant all its time. Of course, yeah, and he has to eventually build something. And the benefit is there. It's obvious. So now, <clears throat> using all of these conditions, it is something that you can bring harm upon that person by doing what is necessary. And what is normal in the customs. So it's normal to build a house. It's customary to do it in certain ways. And the benefit is there. Is everyone following on, inshallah? So this is something that is normal. So yes, you can bring harm upon that person. So if he goes 
and to the Qadi in a Muslim land and says, Fulan is building a house next to me and he's being so noisy and he's, I can't sleep in the morning. The Qadi will say, is he working from 9 to 5 on a weekday? Yes. Is he using يعني, any weird explosives to dig up the earth or is bringing normal bulldozers? He's building in a normal construction method. Is anything that's ajib in it? No, he's doing building a house like all houses are built. The Qadi will say, try to sleep at 2 o'clock when you're done. Right? Qadi will try to fix something, but he's not going to stop the house from being built. Okay, now, the opposite then is that if it's not normal, if it's not customary, if the reason there isn't there, then it's not har- no harm can be brought for this reason. So if he wants to say, I want to build يعني, uh, a tree house, but I'm only going to do it using metal, aluminium, and I'm only going to use a hammer, I'm only going to use a hammer. That's it. I'm not going to bend it using heat. No. I want to work on it at midnight on a Saturday only. No one in this community will accept that. It's not normal. It's not customarily appropriate. The reason any is, is, is not there, there's no benefit. So over here, he's not allowed to bring harm to his neighbor in this way. Over here, if he takes this to the Qadi, the Qadi will say, you're being an idiot, stop it. Stop it. And he has the right to enforce him to stop this building. Now, that is, insha'Allah, clear. So this principle, uh, subhanAllah, that's one side. The mu'amalat between your neighbors. It just comes up in fiqh like so many times. Like how you build wells yani in previous times. If you try to restrict water from your, your neighbor's land. Yani building, yani building in a way where light, sunlight doesn't come to your neighbor's land. Having a shabak into your a window into your neighbor's land, all of these, yani, there's so many issues that come in fiqh that revolve around this this hadith, subhanallah. Now, other parts where this hadith is also appropriate is between husbands and wives. He is poking up. This is very important to married life. Very important to married life. La darar wa dirar. Don't harm and don't reciprocate harm. Don't harm and don't reciprocate harm. Now, Shaykh ibn Uthaynin, Rahmatullah alayh, and others have stated a very important practical example that used to occur previously, and some scholars said happened not in the times of Jahiliyyah, in the early times of Islam. What happened was, is that when someone wanted to divorce his wife, in, يعني, as mentioned by Shaykh ibn Uthaymin, in the time of the Jahiliyyah, that he would marry, didn't like his wife, had a drama, whatever it was, and then they divorced. Then the iddah, the three menstrual cycles that she is supposed to now wait, and he can go back and take if he wants. Right? With a limit of three. Before the limit was there, of you can only, the third time, khalas, no, none of it. Then you're done, you're finished. You can't go back with each other. Even if you want each other, no. You have to marry, you have to go marry someone else. She has to divorce him. It has to be a legitimate marriage. And then after, if she divorces him, and then if she's available, then you can go with a new aqd. Before all of these were there. Before it's, you, you break up, you have this amount of time that you can come back together, and he can take back if he wants. It's just on a word. So what they would used to do is get married, have a divorce because they'd have dramas or whatever, and then at the end of the third menstrual, just before the end, he'd say, okay, I'll take you back. Takes her back, doesn't do anything, says, okay, now you're divorced again. Starts again. Min jadid, three months. Three menstrual cycles, Afwan. And then, again, after three menstrual, 
the last day, ah, I want you back. Then she comes back, doesn't do anything, doesn't do anything. After that, she comes, you're divorced. So it's a continuous cycle before the number was placed. And what was the reasoning? The blokes being just heck, honey. I don't want you to move on, and I'm gonna move on, and I'm gonna. I got three other chances for me. You're here. You're stuck in this. You're not going anywhere. It's bringing harm for the sake of bringing harm. No benefit in it whatsoever. Not to him. Yani you being a sicko doesn't count as a benefit. You being someone who's a zalim isn't working here. Let's just be honest. We gotta talk the truth. You're doing it, keeping her there. Kalmu alaka. Like a string that's dangling. Not married, not divorced. She can't move on, she's just there. Just, what am I doing? And that's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then put legislation. No, you can't do that. Can't run a mark. Now, after the third time, khalas, done. She's free. You can't ever go and harm her again. So then, this is one example of just doing it for the sake of just, I'm going to do it, heck. It's going to bring harm on you. I don't want you. I don't want you to move on. No, I don't want you to go anywhere. I don't want you. I don't want to marry you. I can take you back. I can actually take. No, I don't want that. I just want to bring you harm. Another example that the fuqaha state regarding this hadith is, for instance, the the person who doesn't. يعني, uh, what did I? How did I write it in this? يعني, the person uh, who does not want to have marital relations with his wife for months and months and months and end. Heck. He's for instance taking an oath, I'm never going to do it. خلاص. Why? I'm going to punish you. And some of the fuqaha say four months he does that and he doesn't have marital relations with her, it's an act of divorce. She has a life too. Understood. So you can't harm someone for the sake of harming them. That's what, think of this hadith, subhanAllah, covers everything. Covers your relations at work, covers your relations with your neighbors. With your wives, children, whatever Don't harm people for the sake of harming them And don't try to just do something heck for no reason Don't harm someone to get some benefit And don't just harm people for just you being just crazy Don't do it Rasulullah has forbidden it Now Subhanallah Ibn Rajab He mentioned something Actually before that another example Subhanallah, sorry Another example, for instance, someone who has money and before he dies, he doesn't want one of his sons or his nephew or whatever it is who's inheriting from him. He gives off money just so he doesn't inherit, that this person doesn't inherit from him. He tries to give money just so he lessens the inheritance because he doesn't like the person. All of this, la darar, don't harm. Are you starting to get the, the gist, inshallah? Now, subhanallah, about this hadith, يعني, that is. Regarding <clears throat> that which came before Was the things between people Don't harm others And don't harm يعني, for benefit And for no reason Now there's other part of this hadith Is that which is between Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his creation Ibn, Ibn, Ibn al-Jawzi rahimahullah He says لا ضرر أن الله لم يكلف عباده فعل ما يضرهم البتاء That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala indeed has not ordained upon his servants a single act of that which harms them. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has not ordained upon his servants a single act 
of that which harms them, but but rather that which he ordains, that which he has told and ordered, is complete goodness in their worldly life and their religious affairs, and that which Allah subhanahu wa taala forbids is complete corruption and in both their worldly and their religious affairs. This is the hadith, this is the, the statement of Ibn al-Jawzi, rahimahullah, and that is something that is very, very, very important. Ibn Rajab, sorry, Ibn Rajab, rahimahullah, very, very important that he has mentioned this itself. Now, uh, subhanallah, he gives examples, and I have added other examples, but generally, this religion doesn't want to harm anyone. This religion doesn't want to harm anyone. This religion, subhanallah, yani if someone can't find water, or he has a medical condition, then he's allowed to not do wudu, he can do tayammum. If someone is praying, and they can no longer pray standing, then they can pray sitting. If they can't even sit down, they can pray lying down. This religion, subhanallah, if you're traveling or you're sick, you can't fast, خلاص, make it up later when you're healthy. This religion, when you need to do hajj but you can't afford it, خلاص, it's not on you. It's not written on you. Only when you have the amount that you can go, come back, and you can do the hajj, then خلاص. But there's no harm in the religion. It's يعني, easy. It's a religion that's easy. It's a religion that tries to bring ease. Aisha she says, in a hadith as collected in Sahih al-Bukhari مَا خُيِّرَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ بَيْنَ أَمْرَيْنِ إِلَّا أَخَذَ أَيْ صَرَهُمَا مَا لَمْ يَكُنْ إِثْمًا The Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم عائشة رضي الله عنها أم المؤمنين She says The Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم was never given two choices except that he would go for the easier choice as long as it was not a sin يعني He would go for the easy one as long as the easier one was not a sin if there were two things that he could choose between, he'd go for the easier one. And then Aisha radiallahu anha says, فَإِنْ كَانَ إِثْمًا كَانَ أَبْعَدَ النَّاسِ مِنْ And if it was a sin, then he was the furthest person from it. To stay away from it completely. He doesn't want anything to do with it. And subhanallah, this يعني, concept of this hadith, of this, of this religion, not wanting to be harsh on the people, not wanting you to do ta'ab and just... Struggle and torture yourself It's found in a beautiful, beautiful hadith As found in both Sahih Muslim And in Al-Bukhari And Anasin radiallahu an And the Nabiya sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Ra'a shaykhan That the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Once saw an old man Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Saw an old man Yuhada bayna ibnayhi And he was struggling to walk and he was يعني, supported by two of his sons. He was struggling to, he needed support. So he was walking in this manner of hardship. Think about it, an old man and he's holding on, his, يعني, his sons are helping him walk. So the Prophet wasallam said, What's up with this one? What's wrong with him? What's the story behind him? What is the reason behind this? Why is this person walking like this? He has taken an oath that he is going to walk. In another narration, he's going to go hajj walking. 
He wants to walk to Hajj. He's an old man. He's taken an oath. I'm going to walk it. I'm going to walk it. And the Prophet is seeing him. He's, he's can't even walk. He's yuhada. He's, he's being supported by his two sons. And then the, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam قال إن الله عن تعذيب هذا نفسه لغني Indeed, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is in no need for this old man, this man, to be torturing himself. He's richer than that. He's beyond that. He doesn't need him to be torturing himself. So what is needed from you is to do what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has asked you. It's not that you go and you try to torture yourself. If you can drive somewhere, drive. Yes, certain things, like for instance, if you live close to the masjid, then certain actions the ulama have said, because there is a hadith specific, right, to walking to the masjid, right? And you get a reward walking to the masjid for every step. Yes, there are certain hadiths that this is the case. However, there are other times that if you're far from it, doesn't mean you have to only go to the mosque walking. You still get a reward driving to the mosque, coming to the masjid. Or for instance, this case, in Hajj, people want to go do missions for no reason. I'm going to walk to Medina. You don't get a reward for walking two weeks. Catch a, catch a bus. Catch a train now. Catch a taxi. It's not for you to do this, yani, this issue of just torturing yourself and feeling harm and pain and that pain is what Allah wants no Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is in need of your pain in that way exert yourself in ibadah exert yourself in worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala read as much Quran as you can that's what Allah wants pray as many raka'at as you can in the times that you have prayer come to the mosque find difficulty in for instance okay I have worked from 9 to 5 how hard is it for me to go to the mosque? But I'm going to go there for Maghrib. I'm going to go there for Isha. I know I'm tired. But I still get, I'm going to push myself. This is what Allah wants. Jalla Jalala. He wants you to push yourself in what actually matters. Not that you're going to go to the mosque. And you find the furthest one away. Like for instance, you can come next door to Belmore. But no, I'm going to go to uh, Campbelltown. Walking. Or catch a train to Campbelltown. And you have 90 mosques in between you. It's not what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants. It's not doing this extra level of hardship and you think that you're doing something great for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And with that, we finish this hadith. Barakallahu feekum. Wa sallallahu ala nabina Muhammad. Wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. Jazakumullah khayran. And inshallah we get to see you next week. Bidnillah. Assalamu This program was presented by Al-Bayan Radio, the voice of Ahl-Sunnah wal-Jama'ah.